At Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary, it is our privilege to partner with local churches both in the United States and around the world in training men for the gospel ministry. If your church supports CBTS with $200 a month and a commitment to pray for us, any student in your church can attend CBTS tuition-free. To learn more about how you can partner with us in providing informed scholarship with Pastoral Heart, visit cbtseminary.org. You are listening to Sermon Select on the Man of God Network, brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. Last week, I began to study the role of husbands and the responsibility of husbands to love their wives. We'll come back to them again. But turn to Ephesians chapter 5 tonight. I believe that the, the role of the wife in the home, her relationship to her husband, and then through that, her relationship to her children as mother, requires a commitment to Jesus Christ. There has to be a commitment to take up the cross and follow Him as these two songs we have just sung describe. For there is no other way that I know upon earth for a woman to be able to fulfill God's will as a wife and a mother other than to trust Jesus Christ and to love him more than she trusts and love her husband. There is no other way. And it is only in living as a faithful wife to her husband that she becomes a good mother to her children. There is no other way. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17, Paul begins, So then... Do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. Wives, to your own husbands, as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing but that she should be holy and blameless. So husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. For this cause, a man shall leave his father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I am speaking with reference to Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each individual among you also love his own wife, even as himself, and let the wife see to it that she respect her husband. Let us pray together. Again, Father, we come to the Scriptures, Your Holy Word, and ask that You would help us to understand what it says and what it means, 
and what it means to us this evening. And I pray for the men of the assembly who are now husbands or shall be husbands one day, that you would grant them to see the grace and love that rest in this passage concerning their attitude and leadership of their wives, but I also pray that you would help the wives and those who will in the future be a wife, the Lord willing, that they would see the grace and the faith that it takes to live unto Jesus Christ by loving their husbands. Father, we live in a day where marriages and families are being torn apart, where children are being raised in homes where nothing is being taught regarding the Christian home. And even those of us who have been rescued from darkness into your marvelous light and have sought to build godly homes, we find we are still learning and so ignorant in many ways of how to live. And we ask that you would cause us to return again and again to Jesus Christ our Lord, that we may understand that his words are true and wise, and that the scriptures which he has given to us are right, and that we would always seek him first and bow to his will and how to live daily, that we may rescue our homes from darkness and that we may taste in our homes a foretaste of the grace and love and kindness and goodness that we will enjoy eternally in heaven above. Forgive us of our sins, for in many things we all stumble in this room, especially in our homes. But we thank you that Christ has come not only to take us to heaven, but to enable us to love one another on earth. And so we pray that you would teach us how to do that while we study the Scriptures. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You'll notice that the commands and the directions to husbands and wives and then in chapter 6 to children and parents and fathers are given in the context of being filled with the Spirit in verse 18. For the very meaning of being filled with the Spirit is that you are submitting your will to God's will, loving Him and keeping His commandments. There is no such thing as a Spirit-filled husband who does not love his wife well. There is no such thing as a Spirit-filled wife who does not love her husband well. For it is in these things of loving Christ and keeping His commandments that being filled with the Spirit takes its reality and shows itself to be true. You cannot separate these things, the work of the Spirit and the Word of God together in our hearts. There are many different approaches to marriage today. Most of the time it's based on physical attraction or the circumstances of life. I love you because you please me. I will even serve you in any way possible if you will love me back. That is the foundation for most marriages today, and I'm afraid for most marriages that are even Christian. And many of us have been married for years without Christ and only came to know Him later and established our marriages on wrong foundations. But there is a right way and a wrong way, but this way, is nothing more than animal attraction. I will please you just as long as you please me. And that's why so many marriages are ending in divorce today. Some marry because it works better to be married. It's better than being alone. And so God's way of pursuing marriage is not followed. I'll do anything, even love you, if you will keep me financially and socially secure, or if you advance my career, or if you just thrill me. And others marry expecting trouble. Well, I love him, or I love her, but let's not go too far on this. And so prenuptial contracts are drawn 
of who gets what when the divorce may come. This is not what God meant in marriage. There are no strings in Bible marriage. Absolutely none. It is a commitment to deny yourself and to love the other unconditionally, continually, and without end. The command to husbands is to love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. And we saw last week that there was no beauty in the church. We were yet enemies of God when He loved us and sent His Son to die for us. There was nothing in us that would attract us to Him. He simply loved because He is loving. He was kind because He is kind. Married love is to take on the example of our Lord Jesus Christ who out of benevolence and kindness and for the good of someone who deserved not His face laid down His life for their soul. And so a husband's love is to be sacrificial and self-denying and unconditional as Christ is toward the church. But we also find the Scriptures telling wives how to love their husbands to be subject to their own husbands as to the Lord. But I want you to notice again, verse 21, before the directions to wives and husbands are given, he says, and be subject to one another in the fear of Christ. And a couple of weeks ago, I tried to bring out that the first responsibility we have in a marriage is to love one another as Christians and to give each other the respect and love that we would give to any other Christian brother or sister and not to take advantage of one another or think we own each other, but to realize that we are but stewards of this gift of marriage that Christ has placed in our hands. We saw in the Old Testament that Christian marriage is a covenant of companionship designed that a man and a woman will live together the rest of their lives and show one another the very kind of love that rests in the bosom of God toward us. And it is nothing less than that. The reason we feel so hurt and embittered and angry sometimes in our marriages is because we think we are doing more are trying harder or giving more than the other. And it is this demanding, self-centered spirit that must be eradicated in married love or else it will destroy the union that God has put together. We are not in marriage to get something. We're in marriage to give something. For we have found someone to whom we wish to dedicate our lives in service and love, to cherish them, to help them, and to cure their loneliness. And we set about a mission equipped with the grace of God, the forgiveness of God, and the love of God to do just that, that they may taste of God's gospel in us. Nothing less will make a marriage work. It may stay together, but it will not sing. It will not know tenderness and unity. It will not know that wonderful oneness when a man and a woman can dwell together and be open and honest with each other without fear of being trampled upon in some way or another. So God has set a standard for marriage in the Scriptures. It is the relationship of Christ to the church and the church to Christ. Now Paul begins with the wives in verse 22 as he discusses specific commandments concerning marriage. And I don't know why he did that, because I always want him to start with the husbands, but he starts with the wives. Probably because it may be the harder task. Harder to be subject to another person. We all Christians are to be subject to each other with humility, with respect and honor toward the other. But wives especially 
in the role that God has given them toward their husband. Ephesians chapter 5 is what it means to live as a Spirit-filled wife. Now look at the command, first of all, tonight in verse 22. Wives to your own husbands as to the Lord. The verb is not in the text because it is carrying on from verse 21. As a continuation of her Christian duty, being subject to every Christian, especially being subject to your own husband as to the Lord. Notice the motive for the command. As unto the Lord. This does not mean that a wife is to make her husband the Lord so that she lives and dies upon his favor or not, whether he is pleased with her or not, whether he sins against her or not. Only the Lord may take that place. Only Christ can command such absolute obedience. If your husband commands you to break one of the Ten Commandments, you are not to do it. For your greater allegiance is to the Lord. In everything means everything that is not sin. And by sin it can be demonstrated plainly from the Scriptures. And in those things that are not demonstrated to be sin, there is to be submission. It means to submit to your husband in the fear of the Lord. In verse 21, as unto the Lord, it is your duty to obey Christ first and whatever he commands you to do, you do. That is why whatever we eat or drink, we're to do it as unto the Lord. The question really is this for the wives as the same for the husbands. Ladies, do you love Christ? Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And you may say, but you don't know my husband. He is so insensitive and inconsiderate and selfish. He only thinks from a man's perspective. He never even tries to step around and put his feet in my shoes to at least understand what I am thinking as a woman and the position and vulnerability that I am in as a woman. In this marriage. He is disobedient to the word. In some ways. You don't know my husband. No. But I know Christ. And Christ said if you love me. You will keep my commandments. But I'm so much more mature than he is. He can't think straight. He's so foolish in what he wants, what he desires. Spiritually, I'm more mature. I've been a Christian longer than he. He doesn't even read his Bible. I read my Bible. He doesn't even pray with us or for us. But I pray for us. The question is, do you love Christ? It is the difference in being a Christian We cannot live like unbelievers, asserting our own rights, preoccupied with our own desires. I want this out of marriage. I want that out of marriage. The Christian does what he or she does solely for one reason. To love God. And to please God out of love for Him and what He has done for them. So submission to the husband is not a question of His goodness or His worthiness. It is a question of the worthiness and goodness of Jesus Christ. For wives are to be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. I've been working with marriages for over 20-something years now. And I've seen... I think just about everything that can be seen. I've seen adultery, drunkenness, 
homosexuality, fighting, beatings, sexual abuse of children, ignoring, arguing, a lack of love, divorce, everything. But do you know what the biggest problem is? Selfishness. The lack of self-denial. The wanting to keep things your way. For both husbands and wives. I, to my memory, have never heard a husband or wife, except perhaps once or twice, I think, come into my office and plop down and say, I really need help. I need to be taught how to be a godly husband. I need help how to be taught a godly wife. Most of the time, it is something like this. I need help. I know that I have some things I really need to work on to be a better husband and a better wife. But my husband does this. And my wife does that. And it's just so hard for me to be a godly husband or wife. Do you know what that is? That is self-centeredness. It is selfishness. It is wanting the other to finally change. And if you can just teach me how to change them, then I'll be happy. The gospel of Jesus Christ is this. Though the whole world goes against us, though none live for His glory, we shall. For we have been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, set up on a high place, taken from the kingdom of darkness into His marvelous light, and I owe Him my life. And I need to be whatever He wants me to be, no matter what anyone else is. Wives, be subject to your husbands as to the Lord. Look beyond His faults and His failures and sins. You do not have to trust Him to love Him. You have to trust Christ and care for Him. Living by faith is the wife's call, a hard call. Something most husbands really do not understand, but think they do. When most of them have never been put in such a humbling position. But the wife must see Jesus Christ standing behind her husband. The Lamb of God who once was slain for her sins who spared not his own life for her good as he whispers over her husband's shoulder words like this, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Wives, be subject to your own husbands as unto the Lord. That's the reason for the command. That's what the command is. But let's look further at the reason for it in verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, he himself being the Savior of the body. Now some say Jesus and Paul were men of their day. And they were bound in time by this terrible relationship between husbands and wives in the home that was strictly a cultural manifestation and has no eternal implications, and certainly not for us, that we have to find our own way in marriages today. What is the proper role of a husband? What is the proper role of a wife? Because Jesus and Paul just really didn't understand. We're in a more modern era. We do not hold on to those old things anymore. But there is a reason for this command to wives. And it is found in God's eternal wisdom. It was God's design that the husband be the head of the wife before the fall of man. When man and woman were perfect in the garden, Adam was still her head. 
in verse 31 of this chapter is a quotation from Genesis 2. For this cause a man shall leave his father and mother and shall cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. And Jesus uses this quotation to explain God's design for marriage before sin and culture even entered into the world. It was always God's will that a man be the one who initiates love. That he be the head of his wife especially in terms of love. And he would leave his father and his mother and make a complete break with his previous family and go and be joined to this woman to make a new thing. He was to be the initiator of love and her head. This was before sin entered the world. Before woman was made in Genesis 2. God charged Adam with overseeing the earth and commanded him not to eat of the tree. And then God made Woman to be his helper fit for him, which we've studied. It was not good for man to be alone. And God gave him the greatest gift of all, Woman, to cure his loneliness. To cure his loneliness. To cure his loneliness. And to be a helper perfectly fit for him. Man was created first in priority and responsibility and authority over all creation. Woman was made by God to help man fulfill that position, to complete him and to be the helper fit for him. And all of this was before the fall. So you cannot argue that a wife's submission and goal to be her husband's helper is part of the curse. Rather, it is part of the design. And God knew what He was doing. When He finished creation, He looked at it all and said, this is good. It was also the husband to be the head of the wife after the fall. What was the sin of our first parents? If we ask the children, they might say, eating the forbidden fruit. Adam followed his wife in sin. And he submitted to her instead of exerting his responsibility and love for her to protect her. What did Eve do? How did she know what God had said? God had only said it to Adam. You shall not eat of the tree, for in the day you eat, you shall die. As far as we know, Eve heard the command of God from Adam not to eat. And Satan came to her in Genesis 3 and, his, and said, Has God said you shall not eat from the tree? And Eve said, we shall not eat from it or touch it, for we shall die. Do you see what was happening here? Satan put a doubt in her mind concerning her husband's wisdom. She got all of the words of God from him. And Satan intervened and made her question whether God had said anything. Or whether Adam was just keeping her from something that must be good. Her disobedience to God involved two things. Disregard for her husband's word as her appointed head. And coveting to be in a higher position than God had sovereignly made her. This is the root of sin. The heart of Eve's sin was a rejection not only of God but of Adam's headship. And so it says in the Scripture that the only thing worse than Eve's sin was Adam's. For in Adam all died. In Genesis 3.16, if you'll look at it later, part of the curse that came upon man and woman was this. Upon woman came pain in childbirth. 
Upon man came thorns and thistles, because that is the field which each tend to work in. The great gift that God had given to woman to bear life, and with God to bear forth a child from the womb and bring another life into this world, to be in the right understood way, almost a co-creator of life with God. The joy of it was taken away in pain in childbirth. And the joy of man to work the fields and, and to bring the produce from his hand and provide for his family was cursed with thorns and thistles. But nothing changed in God's order of creation for man and woman. It is only that the curse entered to make things worse. Turn with me to 1 Timothy chapter 2. This is a passage that when you go through seminary, especially in a Ph.D. program, it comes up over and over again. And it comes up this way. This passage does not apply to us today. It has no meaning for us today, for it is culturally determined. It has no meaning for marriage, and it has no meaning for the church today. And that is one of the main reasons we see the churches changing the way they're changing. In 1 Timothy 2, verse 8, Paul said, Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. Likewise, I want women to adorn themselves with proper clothing, Modestly and discreetly, not with braided hair and gold and pearls or costly garments, garments, but rather by means of good works as befits women, making a claim to godliness. Let a woman quietly receive instruction with entire submissiveness. But I do not allow a woman to teach or exercise authority over a man, but to remain quiet. Why? Because Paul was a male chauvinist? Because he was ignorant of other cultural possibilities and relationships between men and women? Because he was raised in a patriarchal society instead of a matriarchal society? Why? Why is it that women are not allowed by God to take the position of a pastor in a church, to teach the church the Word of God. Verse 13, For it was Adam who was first created, and then Eve. And it was not Adam who was deceived, but the woman, being quite deceived, fell into transgression. But women shall be preserved through the bearing of children if they continue in faith and love and sanctity with self-restraint. This is the creation order. It is not cultural. It is true that a woman's position was debased in Jesus and Paul's day, but they were not debased by Jesus or Paul. For the condition of women was much worse in that day than the Scriptures indicate. They both, Jesus and Paul, went to the creation order to talk about marriage. In Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. In regard to one's salvation and all the privileges of a child of God, but it was after Paul wrote that in Galatians, chapter 3, that he wrote Ephesians chapter 5, and 1 Timothy chapter 2. There is no contradiction because God has set forth an order between husbands and wives that cannot be changed because our culture changes. The idea of marriage on which America was based was not Western civilization. It was not just because we came from England or we came from France. It was because the Scriptures were taught in America. And the role of husband and wife hasn't changed. 
Now you may ask, but is it not demeaning for a woman to be like this? Does it not make her a second-class citizen before God and on earth, always having to submit to a man, always having to help the man fulfill his role and his responsibilities to cure his loneliness? The cry of women all around the world is, when do I get mine? No, it is not demeaning. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 24, this is why. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husbands in everything. Is it demeaning for you to be a Christian? Is it demeaning for you to be subject to Jesus Christ as the church? To always have to obey what He says? To always be thinking of Him before you speak? Before you do what you're supposed to do? It is not demeaning to be in subjection to a man because in 1 Corinthians 10 verse 3, the Bible says Christ is the head of every man and the man is the head of a woman and God is the head of Christ. Christ has always been, still is, and always will be in subjection to His Father in the Trinity. Even though both are co-equally God. He said, my meat and drink is to do the will of my Father which is in heaven. Does that mean He is demeaned by His Father? Does that mean He's a second class citizen? Of course not. What God is asking wives to do is what He has asked His own Son to do. What God is asking wives to do is what He's asked every Christian husband to do to Christ. For submission to those whom God has placed over us is part of His will for all of our lives. Children submit to parents. Wives to husbands. Husbands and wives to Christ. Christ to God. That God may be all in all and His will may be done in heaven and on earth. The second reason it's not demeaning is because everything you and I have in Christ's kingdom is under His headship. It is because we are in submission to Him that all the benefits of eternal life come to us by Him. There is no forgiveness of sin. There is no place prepared for us there is no seat reserved for us at the marriage supper of the Lamb except by submitting to Him as Lord. Submission is not evil unless sin is in the heart. As the, Christ, as the church is subject to Christ, so also the wives ought to be to their husband in everything. Every church has a head. Every army has a head. Every football team has a head. And every woman has a head. And His name is Jesus Christ. And He is placed before her, her husband, to be her earthly head. Several years ago, we were watching the Olympics. We were on vacation in Alabama. And a lady named Carol Ann Scott had just won a gold medal in figure skating. And I wrote this down because I never hear anything like this on TV. They were talking to her about all the contracts and money that she was going to make with her gold medal and that other women have made with their gold medals. And this was her response. I'm old-fashioned enough to believe that a woman's goal in life is to help her husband fulfill his career and to be his helper. So when I married, my goal was to help my husband, Tom King, do the best in his business by being a wife at home. 
Now, I don't know if she was a Christian or not, or what her motive was. But if she was not a Christian, she shames many professing Christian women. For God has made it plain that the greatest role you and I, you have as a woman is to love Jesus Christ and to love your husband. And this is more than bare submission. Well, I'll submit if I have to. Because God said so. But it sure is hard to this man. And if Jesus were here, I bet he wouldn't submit to him. Not at all. The first ambition of a godly wife is to help her husband to cure his loneliness, to love him, to be kind to him, to accept that God has made her to be subject to him and to fulfill her calling, which is God's will for her by being the best Christian wife she can be. Jesus said to Christian women, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. We saw Proverbs 31 as we read that this woman of Proverbs 31 had much freedom. And Christian husbands need to see this instead of using their headship as a weapon over their wives. This woman was such a faithful woman that the heart of her husband trusted in, him, in her. He had no fear of what she might do, for he knew that her heartbeat was with his and that he could trust her to fulfill her responsibilities as she should. And there is a wonderful statement in Proverbs 31 that ought to be the slogan of every Christian wife. She did him good and not evil all the days of his life. There is nothing more glorious and beautiful than a godly woman who loves Jesus Christ and trusts him in his command for her in how to be a godly wife. You may say, well, I'm a better person than my husband and more spiritually minded than he. And that may very well be. But maturity in Christ is loving your husband and being subject to him. In everything is unto the Lord. There is a woman that I know who has always been ahead of her husband spiritually. And I've known many that way. And it's sad. Frankly, it breaks my heart as a pastor. When I see a wife reading God's Word and reading good Christian books and learning about the Lord and her husband reads almost nothing. When I see a wife praying and her husband never prays. There are many such women. And everyone who knows this woman knows she's more mature than her husband. But she used her maturity in Christ to be subject to her husband in love in every way she could. And in so doing, became such an example of Christian love to him and such a support to him in her submission to him that he began to be convicted of his sins. And he came to Jesus Christ to change him and mature him. And now he is her leader. God has given a weapon to Christian wives to change their husbands. It is to quit worrying about changing him. And to change yourself. To love Jesus Christ. And to be example of godly love to him. Young men and women. Boys. You should be praying now, young men, you should be praying now that God will bring across your path a young woman who loves Jesus Christ, who is not in for selfishness and self-centeredness, 
but as a giving, loving woman to whom you wish to dedicate your life in love. And young women, you need to be preparing yourself now to trust Jesus Christ in all of His commands that He's given you now so that when He calls you to be subject to your husband, it won't be so hard. Because if you trust Him now, you will trust Him then. And you will become the young woman that that young godly man is looking for. If you are married, ladies, God made you to complement and complete your husband. And if that is not your goal in life above everything else, second only to loving Jesus Christ, something is wrong. If you don't like that kind of submission, something is wrong. And it isn't with Christ. And it isn't with the Bible. I once stood before a man and a woman, exhausted all my efforts for years to try to help their marriage. Professing Christians, members of the church, and I just kept running into a brick wall with the wife. And so one day, the Lord gave me enough sense to ask her a question. And I read Ephesians 5.22 to her, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. And I asked her, Do you love this commandment? And do you know what she said to me? No, I hate it. And if I could rip it out of the Bible, I would. And then I understood. She simply wasn't converted. For you cannot hate God's law and love God who gave it. And I called her to repent and come to Christ and seek His mercy and His help. But she did not. And she later left her husband and lived with another man. The problem was, not her husband, though he sure had a lot to learn. And I told him so. But the problem was, she just did not love Jesus Christ. Her heart had not been conquered by His grace. She didn't understand her dangerous condition. And what God had saved sinners from, if not her, upon the cross. And how God's gospel of love is offered to those who are the chief of sinners. And it ought to conquer our hearts of self-interest and selfishness and self-centeredness and make us willing slaves of Jesus Christ, knowing that He knows what is best no matter what He commands us to do. For His blood was spilled upon the cross as our heavenly husband that tells husbands and wives on earth that He will never command us to do anything that is harmful to us in eternal means. If you see Jesus Christ as your heavenly husband doing all things for you, bearing your sins, covering your shame, writing your name under His in the Lamb's book of life, then you have to see Him giving you your husband as your head. And if you love Him, you will keep His commandments. In 2 Corinthians 8, the poor Macedonians were supposed to give money to Paul to take to the poor saints in Jerusalem. And they were poor. And Paul says, they gave beyond their ability to give. How did they do that? Paul said how. They first gave themselves to the Lord and then to us. 
by the will of God. Begging for the privilege to serve the saints. That is the same principle that God has called wives to have. There are many things that you may not like about your husband. And there may be many ways that he sins against you. But when everything is said and done, Jesus Christ said, Wives, be subject to your own husbands as unto the Lord. First give yourself to the Lord. Then you will have your strength to give yourself to your husband. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. Will you not make it as easy as possible for this woman who has dedicated her life to love you and serve you and quit making her so miserable at times with your own complaints and anger and selfishness? And wives, Will you not forgive your husband's sin and love him anyway? As Christ first loved you. Thank you for listening to this week's Sermon Select on the Man of God Network, brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. CBTS is a confessional Reformed Baptist seminary which provides affordable, online theological education to help the church in its calling to train faithful men for the gospel ministry. To learn more, visit cbtseminary.org.